With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to yet another edition of The Brown Bag. I'm your host, Michael T. Brown. Hey, follow us on Twitter at MTBrown98 or on our Facebook or LinkedIn page under the name Michael T. Brown. You can catch our broadcast after the taping or get a free download on iTunes. Or you can go to blogtalkradio.com, search The Brown Bag to hear any one of our previous broadcasts. We have a great show in store for you today. But first, before we talk about our topic, I want to bring Michael Fordham on this morning. Hey, Mike, I had the opportunity to go with you a few weeks ago. Uh, we went to a forum on conscious capitalism, and that organization uh, is committed to helping businesses and entrepreneurs build their business while also uplifting the community. And, Mike, i got to tell you, man, when you started talking about your vision for social digital media, I thought I knew a lot about it, but I tell you, you really uh, got me pretty excited there. Why don't you let our listeners know uh, what you've got going on with social digital media? Well, um, Mike, you're actually a part of it. The, um, the dream was to be able to find um, folks who have a talent um, to be able to um, spread a message, a positive message, and give them a platform that they can quickly adapt to and be able to uh, use social media as the way to uh, spread their message, but in a way that would not cost them too much. It wouldn't be too complicated for them to just jump in and do what they do and stick to their own talents and abilities to be able to, you know, do what it is that they want to do to reach out to the communities that they serve. And um, I had a lot of guests on who were grassroots organizations and nonprofits, and after hearing um, what they uh, appreciated about what I was giving them. I wanted a larger platform, a full studio for TV as well as radio to be able to help people to spread their message and give them the type of um, outreach and the type of exposure that they couldn't get from the radio and TV networks in our area. Well, that's powerful what you're doing, Mike. And I tell you, you know, um, all that you're doing to help get positive content um, out into the community, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's invaluable. So I want to personally thank you again for uh, all the opportunities you've afforded me. Well, thank you, Mike, for coming on board because, you know, you're a strong example of what I'm trying to do. And um, I, I think that helps a lot to be able to show people just how quickly this can be done, and you've been a, a fast study. Well, how can people find out more about it? Any information you want to kind of let them know about? 
Sure, you can find out about yeah at socialdigitalmedia.org. It's a five hundred one c three. So socialdigitalmedia.org. You can find out some information about what we're doing, as well as our uh, fundraising pages on there as well. And if you'd like to contribute, we'd really appreciate it. And if you'd like to become a member as well, you're welcome to come on board. I tell you, you know, becoming a, men- a member is an investment worth making. Um, the things you're planning on doing through social digital media, I'm excited about it. And speaking of great content, that segues us into our show topic today. We've got two great guests today. And, you know, there are so many children in our society that need the love, support, and discipline and encouragement that only a family can give. That's right. Today we're talking about foster care and adoption. You know, not all family is formed from biological ties. Some families evolve from different and even difficult circumstances. And I want to bring on uh, Mr. Chauncey Strong today. Hey, Mike, why don't you go ahead and formally introduce him for us? Chauncey Strong, originally from Norfolk, New Jersey, earned his B.A. degree in social work from Elizabeth City State University in Elizabeth City, North Carolina in 1991 and his MSW from Norfolk State University in Norfolk, Virginia in 1993. He is currently a foster care supervisor with the Fairfax County Department of Family Services in Fairfax, Virginia, and has worked for 20 years in child welfare. He is currently the board chair of Foster Care Alumni of America, a trainer, motivational speaker, and a committed advocate to children and families. Chauncey has dedicated his career to helping improve the outcomes of children and families in need who are involved in the child welfare system. Mr. Chauncey Strong, welcome to the Brown Bag. So glad to have you on. Great. Thank you, Mike. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate you having me on today. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get started, Chauncey. We've got a lot to cover uh, today, such an important topic. Let's start by having you tell us about your work within Fairfax County in the foster care division. Um, Tell us all about it. Okay. So, um, again, I'm Chauncey Strong, and I'm a foster care supervisor with Fairfax County Department of Family Services. Uh, I've been working with the county now uh, almost five years now, but involved with child welfare and specifically foster care and adoption. Uh, actually, it's gone on like 22 or 23 years, ever since I've uh, been out of school. And it's just something that's really close uh, and near and dear to my heart uh, based on my own personal experience with the system. And so I've been doing that type of work and trying to make sure that all of our kids in, uh, in the foster care system uh, leave to a family and not stay in the system. Yeah, that's good, John. So you alluded to your own personal testimony um, you care to share a little bit more about that and tell our listening audience how your personal testimony um, has informed the work that you do now. Sure, sure. Mike, if you don't mind, I'm going to start out the way I start out anytime I talk with foster parents or any other professionals. I always start out by saying, uh, as I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I've got a testimony. And uh, that's the song that we sing at our church, and uh, it's yeah. the way I really see my life. I feel like God has really blessed me. And I always say my testimony is not because I'm doing well now, I have a great job, I have a beautiful wife and a wonderful little daughter we just had uh, eight months ago, but it really started when somebody, you know, invested in me as a child or as a, as a, as a baby. Um, I came into my mom's home. She told me the story. Um, my adoptive mom, she said I came into her home. I was about three years old. And uh, I came into her home after having been in foster care in another home, and my hand was burnt while I was in that foster home. And so anybody that knows me knows that I have a burn on my left hand. And so she said I was in the hospital, and she saw me there. They came and asked her, would she uh, take me into her home? So she and my my dad at the time took me into uh, their home. And I always say I ain't that much to look at right now, Mike, but when I was a little, I was definitely a, a, a cute baby. So I saw the pictures. <laughs> I could tell I could tell that my mom, I could see why she fell in love with me. She said right away they wanted to adopt us, uh, to adopt me into their home. And when they went to, to adopt me, they actually found out that I had two brothers, uh, and we were triplets. So it's, it's Chauncey, Chadwick, and Clinton. And uh, my mom and dad initially said no, that they didn't want to adopt three. They really only wanted to adopt one. 
And uh, if we had a longer time, I'd tell you the dramatic story of how I sort of won my mom's, uh, my mom, my mom and dad over, and they ended up adopting all three of us. And so we were very fortunate to be adopted. By the time we were five years old, we were adopted out of the foster care system. We had the the great fortune of growing up with each other, uh, knowing each other, and uh, being able to be cared for by loving parents. And, uh, and Mike, really, when I, as I was growing up, I, I knew right away I wanted to help people. Like, I just knew somebody helped me along the way, and I knew I wanted to help people. And I really was under the impression that every young person that was in foster care had the same experience. They, they went into foster care for whatever circumstance, whatever reason, and they were all adopted out of foster care. It wasn't until I got older, got into school, and started working in the field, I realized that too many young people come into foster care. They stay way too long, and then when they get out of foster care, their outcomes are not very good. And so um, that my personal that personal experience that I had really leads me to say, you know, I want all young people to have a, a similar, if not better, experience that I had by being in the foster care system. Yeah, and you you allude to two different terms, foster care and adoption. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone yeah. might not understand the difference. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between those two terms? Absolutely. When um, a young person comes into the child welfare system, uh, sometimes they come into through by foster care. That means that um, there has been uh, some type of investigation of abuse possibly or neglect, and uh, um, the local Department of Social Services or Family Services has determined that this child needs to be in a safe environment. And so uh, they are placed in the foster care system. That means that we have um, trained uh, and licensed foster parents to be able to care for these children while they're being removed from their biological family. So foster care is a, is a, is a large and sometimes complicated system, but the bare essentials is that we train foster parents to have these kids in their homes until uh, what we call a permanency plan, which means a long-term plan for a family can be determined. Um, and so those, those long-term plans, it will either be returning them back to their biological family because the abuse uh, has been mitigated or the, the neglect is no longer there, the child can thrive by going home. The second goal would then be for them to either go back to a relative, so they have a relative that can care for them and they can return to a, a relative a caregiver situation. And then the last permanency option, at least in Virginia, is about adoption. And so that's for kids who maybe they can't go home or they can't uh, go to a relative. Then we have families who uh, make it have a desire to then adopt them and have them enter a home legally as their child. So, you know, adoption really falls. First kids have to come, usually come into the foster care system. There are private adoptions, but today we're really right. talking about from the whole piece of uh, the public child welfare system. They come into foster care, and they can be adopted out of the foster care system. Okay, okay. Now, Chauncey, what would you say to that person who might be contemplating becoming a foster parent or an adoptive parent, um, but they have some reservations? You know, maybe they've heard different things um, that, have, that maybe has discouraged them. What would you say to that person who's on the sidelines who's thinking about entering into uh, foster care or adoption? Well, you know, the first thing I'd say is that you are are right to be uh, having concerns or issues or things that you may be thinking of because you really need to take something like this very serious. When you become a foster and then maybe an adoptive parent, it's by far, to me, one of the best things you can do because you're having a huge impact on the life of a child that's uh, possibly been abused or neglected. But it's also a very, it can be a very difficult process, and just as I'm finding out as raising uh, just an infant, you know, raising, raising children, it's not, it's not easy. And so you really want to think it through and make sure you answer any questions that you may have. You know, some of the things to think about is, you know, what is the reason you're doing it? Why do you want to do it? And, and unfortunately, um, foster parents get a stereotype of uh, doing it just for the money. You know, and the truth is that the majority, and in fact, well over the majority of people are not doing this for money because the truth is you don't get that much money to do it. It's not that much money to do it. Uh, And and I always joke when I talk with foster parents about this, I said, if you go on into foster care to make money, then you don't know the value of a dollar because you can do something a lot less (laughs) stressful, a lot less painful than having kids in your home in foster care. Most people do this because they really want to make an impact. And to be honest with you, 
with you, Mike. Most people do it because it's a calling on their lives. There, there's yeah. something that they've been called to do to try to help someone else. So the first thing I would say is your calling. Is this your, is this your calling? Is this what you were intended to do? The next thing I would tell you is that one of the things that people may or may not know, and I mentioned it before, is that there is training for foster parents, that we don't just throw you in a situation. And the truth is, just even if you have been a parent all your life, you've been parenting for the last 25 years, taking a child into foster care is a different type of parenting because this is a child who may have been abused, who may have been neglected. And so we actually want to make sure you feel well-prepared and well-trained to care for that child. So you're going to have the support that you need. And then the third thing I'll say, there's probably a lot more, Mike, but the thing I'll say is that you'll have the support of a social worker as well. Whether you go through the public agency or a private agency, there's always someone there to support you while you care for that child because, again, it can be difficult, it can be stressful, um, and so you want to make sure you have the training and the support that you need. So the best thing you can do is call your local Department of Social Services or call uh, any number of private what they call treatment or therapeutic foster care agencies that can give you more information and try to answer some of your questions, uh, usually through what they call their orientation period. And, Chauncey, I'm glad you point out, you know, how parenting in general can be difficult. So to mm-hmm. that parent who's on the sideline who might be contemplating it, you know, um, I'm really glad you mentioned that. Talk about some of the stories that you've seen, some of the, mm. the impact that you've seen when mm. it comes to foster care or adoption. You know, I, I said earlier in the, in the broadcast that, you know, many times what children need is that love, that support, that discipline, and it's amazing what that encouragement and just, you know, that, that proper um, mm-hmm. environment, how right. it can really change the life of that child. Yeah, and, and, and that's why the foster care system has been around as long as it has. And while there are some uh, sad and terrible stories that you might hear out of foster care, the majority of uh, foster parents are doing a great job with these young people. You know, when young people come into foster care, they're in a place, and I'll just use myself as an example. I was in a place where there was neglect uh, from my, my biological parents, and I, I needed someone that would open up their, their heart and their arms and just love me and take care of me yeah. and just parent me. And all too often, more our young people in foster care get tagged as being difficult kids or bad kids. Many times they have been through trauma. And any time you go through trauma, there's several stages. There's loss and there's grief and there's anger. And when you don't understand that as a parent, sometimes it's it's easy to label them as bad children. But really what they need, (laughs) they need loving parents. They need parents who are willing to really stick it out with them and support them, and and even in their families, for that matter, support them as they go through this. So, you know, Micah, I could could come up with a number of stories of how, you know, foster parents have been there to help guide the children. And let me say this, too, Mike. Here's some new phenomenon that's happening a lot more with foster care. It's not just guiding the children. It's also working with the parents. Because ultimately, the truth be told, we would prefer all of our children, if at all possible, and they can be safe, to return back to their homes. And if that's at all possible, sometimes foster parents can help uh, a, a single mom who really that have never raised a child. They can always be a mentor to that parent. And so not only are yeah. you helping that child, you're helping that parent as well. So it, it's just so many benefits to it. And then the last thing I'll mention, Mike, especially because in the child welfare system, the majority of our children are over the age of 14. So we really need people who are willing to be a foster parent for these older children. And sometimes what happens with older children, especially if they've been in care a long time, the longer they're in care, the more complicated the issues are, the more complicated their behaviors. And so we truly need people that would be willing to be, uh, whether it's a foster parent, and sometimes if not a foster parent, Mike, you can be a mentor, but some way to help these children that are in need. Talk a little bit about how spirituality Um, in your relationship with God has uh, informed the work that you do, but also um, can you you shed shed a little light on how it helped you maybe through some of the difficult moments of your life? Because, you know, I I understand that, or I'm trying to understand that, you know, if you move into an, uh, an adoptive situation or a foster care situation, yes, you might be in a better environment, and that's a great thing, but many times there might be a struggle, you know, to try to connect to mm. your past. 
Um, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that journey, and, and I'm actually glad to have Mr. Richmond Hill on. We're going to bring him on a little bit. He has a powerful testimony as well. Um, but yeah. talk a little bit about yeah. how spirituality has helped you navigate some of those uh, experiences. Absolutely. And as I'll say this, the disclaimer I'll use is that I'm talking on behalf of on Chauncey Strong, an adoptive person, not necessarily on behalf of foster care and adoption right. with Fairfax County Department of Family Services. So on a personal level, you know, I, I you know, God has really just kept me and brought me through a lot of things in my personal journey, uh, especially as it relates to when I was growing up. I, I knew I was in, I was adopted, and I really never even wanted to find my biological family. I almost had, to be honest with you, Mike, some hatred there. I never called it hatred, but deep down, if I was to think about it, I was just angry that, you know, yeah. why did he keep me in their home and why was I adopted? And you know what? Forget them. They don't want me. I don't want them either. I'm, I'm, I'm in a home. I'm good. And it wasn't right. until I got older, and then you know, you you know, my my mom, God bless her, uh, was a church going mom, a southern mom. You going to church every Sunday, and it's hard to sit under any good teaching and hear about forgiveness and hear about love and hold something in your heart for a long period of time. So, you know, uh, one of my journeys was that I had to go back and try to determine what why why did my family give me up? Where is my family? And through yeah. just a real um, a powerful journey. I went back and was able to find my biological family and was able to really open up my heart and forgive and found out that it really wasn't that they didn't love me. They just didn't have the resources to take care of me. And uh, uh, times are times are a lot different now, Mike. You know, now we try to work with biological families. Back in the day, if there was a neglect or abuse or anything, you'd just be picked up and gone. You'd gone to a new, the new home. But just because you go to a new home, that doesn't mean you forget everything that you had in the past or that you can mm. forget or that it's even appropriate to forget. It's how do you deal with that. So my own personal spirituality, you know, I've been able to pray. Obviously, I've been able to reconcile and forgive. And uh, now, I, thank God, I have a, not only a great relationship with my adoptive family, I actually have a great relationship with my uh, biological family as well. And, uh, you know, all of that is through God. There's no way any of that would be possible under my own power my own desire is not to have forgiven or not to have love, but, you know, God was able to turn that around for me. Wow, that's powerful. Hey, Chauncey, stand by. We definitely want to yeah. keep you on the line, but I do want to bring uh, Mr. Richmond Hill. Absolutely. Richmond Hill is no, uh, he's no stranger to our broadcast. We might as well just go ahead and call him our co-host. You're on here so much, <laughs> Richmond, I tell you. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> uh, good morning, sir, and I'm glad you're um, – I'm glad you're standing by. We always enjoy hearing your thoughts and observations. But I'm sure today's um, conversation that you've been listening to perhaps has maybe struck a different chord for you because I know uh, this topic uh, is personal for you. Just just tell me um, some of your thoughts, some of your observations. Uh, You know, we talk about not all family is biological. Um, What does that mean to you? What are some of your thoughts and observations? Well, you know, uh, Michael, you're absolutely right. And uh, I was just listening to, to Chauncey's story and uh, just had me really thinking about my life and, uh, and, and, and the experiences that I've had as an adopted child. Um, our family is not biological, and, and I have definitely been the uh, um, poster child for that, so to speak, because, you know, I was adopted um, at a very, very, very early age within the first year of my life. And uh my adopted parents, um, they did a very, very good job of making sure that I was connected to my biological family. And uh, so for me, Michael, I would say there was a blend for me, uh, which is somewhat unusual in adopted uh, situations because Every uh, summer, uh, my parents made sure that um, one of my biological sisters was able to come down and spend a week or two with us, and they would let me go and spend a week or two with her, and they would make sure that every year, and we still keep this tradition, every year, uh, the day after Christmas, uh, me and my uh, adopted parents, we would go to where my biological family was, and we would have dinner together and spend time together, and uh, at every major event in my life and every major accomplishment, both of them have been there, and so it has just been a blessing to be in that kind of situation where I know um, my biological family, of course I know my adopted family, and that it has been a situation where I'm not out there searching or I'm not out there looking, and uh, it's just really been a blessing for me to have both, uh, you know, both of those in my life. Now, Richmond, I know you um, you work 
in the community college and you've been a school counselor before, so I know you've had up close and personal interactions with, with families just in general. What would you say to maybe that person who's sitting back and saying, you know, this topic is really not for me, um, this is, you know, I'm not connected to it. Um, what would you say to that person about, you know, just family in general and how this topic can, can really impact uh, the lives of others? Well, you know, I would say, um, Michael, there are many, many people um, out here that could bless the lives of another young person. Um, you know, wow. Chauncey was just sharing with us that there is great, a great need out there, uh, and, and there's so many young people that need loving homes to be able to go to. And so even though you're right, some people may say, you know, this is not for me or, or, or you know, uh, how am I connected to this? And and the truth of the matter is is that it is not for everybody, uh, and right. everybody can't do it. However, there are many people out there who think they can't, who really, really could, and really be a blessing. And so, you know, sometimes you have to look beyond what you uh, think uh, your life should be, <laughs> or 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 the things that you think that you know you're going to do, and then be able to open up your mind and open up your heart to the possibilities. And I think it's um, conversations like this that get people to think, number one, about the need that's out there, and number two, about, you know, start looking within their, themselves and within their families and start to have conversations. Can we do this? Is this something that I would like to do? Is this, is this a way that I could bless the life of a young person? Because it is a great, it, it's a, a huge commitment, um, but there's a lot of blessing involved with it as well. And it's just amazing how this topic, you don't hear a lot of conversations about this topic, but there are so many people that have been in foster care situations that have been adopted who could share a testimony about how it blessed their life, it changed their life. They were plucked out of situations that could have been dangerous, wow. that could have, you know, maybe cut their life short. But they were literally, I mean, love lifted them out of so many situations. And here they are today to say, wow, I made it because I didn't start out, you know, um, in the you know, in the traditional way maybe of, of coming into a family that was ready to keep me and care for me, but I was placed somewhere or someone did adopt me that was ready to do that, and here I am today. That's powerful. Chauncey, I want to bring you back in. Uh, I know you had a chance to, to listen to that, and, and I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, how adoption or foster care, you know, might not have those terms back in the day. But this is certainly not new to our community, uh, whether, you know, somebody in the community says, you know what, give that child to me, you know, um, let me raise that child, whether it's extended family or someone in the community that has stepped up to help raise a child, whether it's an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, a play cousin, whatever it is, you know, this topic certainly um, is not new. So talk a little bit about your perspective on how our community uh can even take that to the next level of looking out for those who need that love and that parenting. Well, I, definitely, Mike. And, you know, before I say that, I'll say, Dr. Hill, man, it's just really good to hear you talk, um, just to hear you talk all day about this stuff. It sounds like you're knowledgeable <laughs> and your experience is just really rich. And I, I just love some of the things you talked about. So maybe at one point after this, you and I can connect with each other. I'd like to have Absolutely. a conversation about it. Absolutely. Uh, and, Brother Chauncey, we call him Dr. Yeah. Hill because we're speaking those things uh, that, that be not as though they were. Oh, okay. that, that doctor is going to be coming down the road for him. But we're going to go ahead and speak it already. That's and right. it has been received. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, well, let me go ahead, say John. this. Uh, well, what you said, just addressing your question, Mike, you're right. This is not new. You know, and, and, and the truth be told, if you go back to the, the, the Bible days, you might even say that Moses was the first adopted child. You know, he was sent off down the river and plucked out of the river and went, to, went on to greatness. And so, you know, it's not new. It's not new for the African-American community especially. Uh, it, what you were talking about, Mike, is that, you know, it was not uncommon. In fact, even in my adoptive family, we had several people, several of my cousins living with us at any given wow. time. And so, and vice versa, we had family members that would come from New Jersey and, you know, you know that, that, that child, he, that, something wrong with him, he acted out. Sit him down there to aunt so-and-so, they'll take care of him, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. And in fact, right. it was a more, to be honest with you, a much more natural way of handling things. Yeah. Um, sometimes when the system gets involved, it puts a lot more, you know, barriers around certain things. So what, what you're speaking of is what we call in the child 
welfare system, kinship care. You know, so a kin mm-hmm. is caring for that particular child, and they just they just do it out of love. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take care of our own. And the truth be told, there are more kinship providers, what we call informal kinship providers, than there are kids in the foster care system. There's just not enough resources to have all those. Can you imagine all those children living with a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle in foster care? They'd be the, the system would be overrun, and would be no way to really, um, really no way to 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 uh, handle all those children and the issues that. They, they might bring. So families have been taking care of families for the longest periods of time. Um, and one of the things we have found, though, and then we're trying to push this in Virginia, just a plug for this, is that uh, we do know that, though, sometimes these families take on uh, additional uh, children without support and without resources. And even if it is your family, it costs money to raise a child. You know, they're not coming yeah. in free, you know, they got to eat, they got to have clothing, you know, expenses go up. So we're actually trying to ask um, to push so that Virginia would have a formal foster uh, kinship care situation so that kids don't have to per se come into foster care, but those caregivers can receive some type of subsidy to care for their, you know, their niece or nephew or their grandchild. But it's something that's, um, you know, and, and one of the things that uh, Mr. Hill, uh, Dr. Hill has said, uh, <laughs> You know, it's something that he, he he's right on target. I mean, this has been going on for a long period of time. It's something that people – it's all around us, but you don't know it. There's a lot of people doing foster care. There's a lot of kids in foster care, but you may never know it. I guarantee you everybody knows – whether you know that they're a foster parent or not, that there's somebody in your church, there's somebody in your family, or somebody that's affected by the foster care system. So it's it's all around us, and it's just that we need to have more conversations like this to enlighten people and about about the need and you know the families that are needed for these kids in foster care. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I love about doing this broadcast is we want to highlight those giants among us that you know might not be considered a celebrity. But if you look at the work they're doing and the impact that they're making, like you two gentlemen, um, you know, sometimes we look at people and we see their position or some of the things that they've accomplished. But not until you hear their story do you know, you know, the mission behind the man or the woman. And, uh, Richmond, I want to bring you in. Um, Earlier, Chauncey talked about forgiveness. He talked about forgiveness. Um, Talk a little bit about your journey of Dealing with unanswered questions, because when I think of foster care and adoption, I think about that child. Um, and, and let me say this, you know, we talk about foster care and adoption, you know, the blessing that the parents give to the children. But what about the blessing that the children give to the parents? Uh, you know, I think that's huge as well. But, Richmond, tell us a little bit about how you navigate dealing with some of these unanswered questions. Wow, uh, <laughs> how much time do you have? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you know, my <laughs> it's been a work in progress, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you and I have talked about this on on, on numerous occasions, and yeah. I think it definitely. Um, I thank God for my relationship with Him. And um, there was a uh, a church I used to attend down in North Carolina, and there was a lady, and she used to sing this song, and it was a song that she made up. And it's just a few words, and it says, "Forgive." Don't let it live. Send it away. Let mercy reign. You know you must forgive. And a little bit of it. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to do that to y'all today. But anyway, <laughs> the thing is, is that that song always comes into my mind when I think about some of those unanswered questions that I have. And so for me as an adopted child, you know, we, we, we talk about this thing called closure. And so, you know, I was adopted, um, you know, early and very, very early into my life. And then uh, my biological mother, she passed away as, you know, when I was a toddler uh, from an illness. And, um, you know, my parents made sure that I was able to attend the funeral and, and you know, continue to keep in touch with with family members and and uh that was closure for me you know this woman who birthed me has now uh passed away and so i understand that um the part that has been probably most difficult for me to deal with is that who is my biological father and why has he not been around and is he alive do we live down the street from each other have we met before and just didn't know it um those kinds of questions those kinds of unanswered questions i think have affected me the most and i think as a man growing up um 
well, I shouldn't say, well, growing up it's a little different, but when you become a man and you start to really observe the things that you do and the things that you say and the way that you go about your life and you wonder how genetics impacts that and you start having some questions about, wow, I wonder who this man was. I wonder what he looks like or looked like and does he know that I exist even, you know, and so there's a lot of unanswered questions when there's no closure per se. And, and Mike, you know, I think I told you that I'd even set out, and uh, and I know my parents will be listening to this at some point, and we've not even had this discussion, so I'm revealing on this on this show here, but I set out a few years ago to, you know, try to search who might my biological father be. And I went through North Carolina, um, you know, the, the adoption, you know, agency with the government or whatever, and Chauncey probably has a lot of experience with this, and Chauncey, I must say, it was very frustrating for me because basically what they told me is that North Carolina is a sealed adoption state, mm-hmm. our sealed records, mm-hmm. and yeah. that I would literally have to be on my deathbed mm-hmm. um, needing wow. information about something that could help me out medically before right. they would release any kind of information. And right. then at that point what they do wow. is they were telling me they could put some ad in the paper and – if someone responded, then they would – I'm telling you, it was just so frustrating. And I said, you know wow. what, <laughs> maybe this is not what I'm supposed to do because I just feel like with the way things have happened, if God has intended for me to meet him, if he's alive, it will happen. And if wow. it never happens, I'm okay because the mother and the father that he blessed me with is all the mother and father that I have ever need and ever right. will need. Wow. So wow. I, I, I thank God that my adopted father um, played such an, a role or has played such a role in my life and has been so powerful in my life that it took away all of the need for anybody else. And so, you know, even though I think about it often, and, and, and I forgive because you don't know what the situations are, and I'm thinking as an adopted child, wow. when especially that, that's when the relationship with Christ really comes in because there's so many times that you have to just say, you don't know the situation. So you, you've got to embrace forgiveness at every step to be able to go yeah. through this thing. You know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of how I deal with it, you know. Uh, Forgive, don't let yeah. <laughs> No, I appreciate that. And I, Chauncey, I think he's. I think both of you guys are helping people with this whole topic of, uh, you know, trying to come to terms with unanswered questions. That you know, for you, for Richmond, he shared how it has to deal with you know a biological parent. But Chauncey, for someone else, it might be unrelated to family. Uh, talk a little bit about that, that Chauncey. Uh, what are some of your thoughts as you hear what Richmond is sharing? Well, you know, so a couple of things, man, I can really relate to to your story. I just kind of go back just a little bit. I had the same situation with my family, um, you know, adopted at an early age. I didn't go back until I was in my early 30s to go back and find them. And then when I found them, you know, I, my mom uh, at the time, you know, there was so much there, so much built up. She had so much, um, you know, regret and grief and just um, she, she was so apologetic. Wow. So we talked for a little bit and we talked for a little bit of time. And I just remember thinking, okay, my father's not in the picture. At some point I'm going to ask him, ask her about my father. And then unfortunately less than two years later she died from a heart attack. And and going back to what you said, Richmond, it's just – it was probably the most painful thing in the world for me that I didn't ever say to her, can you tell me who my father is, so that I could try to know some information uh, about him. Uh, the frustration that you express um, about not being able to find your adoptive family, uh, Mike, I tell you, that that is something that people across this country are fighting laws that still say that cl- adoptions are closed and the records are sealed and you can't. So you've got people who have have really no impact on your life at all, can look at your record and see who your father is, but can't tell you who the father is. So wow. it's really just, it's really, it's almost, it's a, it's a, it's an old antiquated system that needs to be changed. And a lot of people are moving towards more open adoptions. And, and, and then for me, what happened is when you don't know, I always say this, when you don't know a story, just to get through, sometimes you just make up the story just so that you can have uh-huh. a peace of mind about it. And so for me, I yeah. just made up a story that without knowing my family, 
they they didn't love me. They obviously didn't care about me. I don't care about them. I'm going to move forward. My brothers, on the other hand, they were just the opposite, man. Every all growing up when we was kids, they used to all we're going to go find our family. We're going to go find our real family. I bet they got money. I bet they're rich. I mean, that they would you know you make up those stories, whatever you got to do. And then when we found our family, you know, it was somewhere in the middle. They weren't rich, but they weren't dirt poor. But they, you know, they and they had problems and issues just like any other family had problems and issues. So you know, dealing with these things, it's a it's a healing that has to come about with it, uh, whether you've been in foster care and adoption, which is why for adoptive parents, I'm actually going to go speak um, on the 22nd at an adoption conference in, um, in Maryland about this same issue because so many adoptive parents struggle when their, uh, their adoptive son or daughter decide that they want to go and try to find the, you know, the pieces of their lives. And so it's one of those things where it's a great uh, little ad that I heard on a, uh, a channel that's called The Locator, the guy. He, he actually does detective work. And what you were saying, Richmond, a lot of people go back and hire a detective to try to find the information that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And he said by far his greatest clients are people who've been adopted or who have been uh, in foster care. And his saying, and I just remember this, he said, it's hard to have peace when you don't have all your pieces. And mm-hmm. so when you don't know the pieces of your life, it's, it's hard to have that peace. And mm-hmm. so that's where the relationship with God has to step in. There are some things that we just won't know until the end. You know, that's what mm-hmm. I'm always saying. There's some things you yeah, just don't and, know. Yeah, and you said there's some things we just won't know until the that's end. And right. it just made me think about what Richmond shared, you know, how uh, not all the answers are going to be found down that's here right. on this earth. I mean, Richmond is in the term of, you know, a family situation, but what about those other situations in life where, you know, the answer might uh, not be what we think it is or we might mm-hmm. not get an answer at all? And, Richmond, yeah. I want you to pick up on that, um, you know, the scripture that leads to, you know, how God will perfect the things that concern us. You know, mm-hmm. not that life's going to be perfect, but mm-hmm. he can take broke situations and begin to, you know, perfect us, move us towards perfection. Um, mm-hmm. How have you experienced that in, in your life and some of the work that you, it now empowers you to, to do in helping others? Well, you know, I, I think, Michael, when I look at my life now and the work that I have embarked upon, and, and I was telling, we were in a uh, meeting the other day, and, and the question was, who am I, you know, that the uh, facilitator posed to everyone and uh, my response was, I am a helper, and I am a helper because so many people helped me. And when I think about my parents and how they adopted me, uh, I just feel like that was a tremendous act of love and, and, and kindness and, and generosity. And every time, really every day that I wake up, I think about the fact that that was a decision that they made. That was nothing that they had to do. That was a decision that they made. And very interestingly enough, um, my parents at the time, they had uh, two boys already. And so uh, my, my brothers, 13, 14 years old, when I came into the picture, they wanted to adopt because my mom felt like she was you know, getting out of the ages to age to have her own children, and she wanted a little baby girl, and they didn't have a girl, and said, we want to have a baby girl. And so at the time, um, it was very interesting at the time, and, and Chauncey would probably cringe at this, my, my aunt, she was a social worker, and so this was back in 1976, and so my aunt says, Barbara, which is my mom, says, Barbara, you know, I, I know you and Florida are looking to adopt a little baby girl, but I just there's this little boy that we've got, and he's coming to our care, and I, I just want to – you just got to see him. You just got to see him. I, I, I think that's for you. And now, mind you, she knows that my parents are looking for a baby girl. And so um, she actually brings me to my parents for the weekend. <laughs> like, let's, let's try him out, you know. So she brings me to my now, parents for the weekend. You've got to mute out on this one. I know you burned yeah, it up. It's all good. Many <laughs> years ago, right? Many years ago. <laughs> hey, look, Chauncey, I won't tell you what county it was in North there Carolina. But anyway, and, 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 so, and so brings it. And so my mother says, you know what? She's like, I saw you and knew then. <laughs> now, mind you, they had been looking for I saw you and knew then. Uh, and, and, and so I, I say all that to say no one made them do it. And so when I wake up every day, I think about that story. Nobody is making me do what I do, but I feel compelled 
because of my situation and because of what I've experienced, I've experienced so much love and generosity that I feel compelled to do the things that I do on a daily basis. So it doesn't really feel like work. And that's why I was telling someone the other day, I love what I do in the community and, and, and on my job because I'm able to help people. And I'm also able to, Michael, and, and I've always said this, you know, the things that happen to us are not for us. And so I meet so many young men and young women who've been adopted and they have questions and they have frustrations and they have experienced some of the same things I experienced as I grew up. And so I can talk to them out of my experience, even as I'm helping them. And, and it's just such a blessing to be able to just speak out of experience about the whole situation. And so uh, it really does shape what I do um, on a daily basis because I feel compelled. Chauncey, pick up on that. Um, compelled to do what you do. And I know you, this is not only your life, this is your, your work as well. Um, talk a little bit about the com- that feeling of compelling that you might have to do what you do. Um, and you can even tie that into some of the work that you're doing with uh, Foster Care Alumni of America. Mm-hmm. You know, I appreciate that's a great segue because, you know, it, it is really who I am. And it's one of those things where I truly feel like this is what I've been called to do. It's not a chore to get up and go to work every morning. I enjoy going to work. The truth is I might be a workaholic. You know, I just like going, and my wife and I go back and forth all the time about, you know, hey, you got to make sure you come home too now. You better take care of home because I do this. It becomes a part of who you are. Um, one of the things that I did because, because again, I saw so many young people in the foster care system, and a term we haven't used here, but I'll just use it now, is what we call aging out of foster care, meaning that they stayed in foster care and they turned 18 years old, and now they're an adult and they never really got a family. And what happens is that, the, and in fact, all the studies show, uh, Mike and Richmond, that the outcomes of young people who age out of foster care are, are horrendous. Everything from uh, drug use to uh, being in jail to early pregnancy to uh, having children themselves who then go into foster care, all the outcomes for kids who don't find families are just really negative. Not that there are not some success stories, but the majority of them are not doing very well. And so what um, an organization was created called Foster Care Alumni of America, and it's an organization that's actually for people who had any type of -of out-of-home care, whether it was in foster care forever and ever or adopted at a young age or maybe even lived in a group home. And that, that organization is really about as adults who've been involved with the system, how do we come back and help make an improvement so that other young people in the system now don't have the same kind of experience we had or had a better experience than we had so that we make sure that we are using our voice and our experience um, you know, to try to help people understand through our, either our personal stories um, or hearing stories of other young people who've been stuck in the foster care system. Uh, and then we got to make sure that we can't share all the, the bad stories. There's a lot of positive stories out there as well about how the system can improve, how the system we do have good foster parents who then become adoptive parents and really help take care of these kids. So, you know, it's a it's a labor of love for me. It's a it's a piece of advocacy work that, you know, I find it's almost, I feel like, gosh, I'm almost like, should I be doing something else? Because this is so easy to do for me. I could do this. I could do this forever. You know, you know, even when, you know, it's stuff that I enjoy doing. So it's my day-to-day work. I, I'm, I'm constantly doing trainings and doing um, workshops with foster parents. It's just something I enjoy doing. And it's got to be, going back to your one of your original questions, Mike, for will you be a foster parent or adoptive parent, you have to want to do this because you really want to do it, not because somebody convinced you to do it or guilted you into doing it. And right. by all means, please don't think you're doing it for the money because, again, <laughs> you're going to go broke trying to do this for the money because yeah. it's not really about that. It's really about doing it because you have a calling and a desire to do it. Hey, yeah, hey Richmond, Michael. What, Richmond, what would you say? Go ahead. Yeah, I just I just want to say too, uh, and just kind of uh, spins off of this is that, and, and Chauncey can can really probably shed some light on this. I just want to encourage those that are listening who have uh, you know adopted children, uh, especially uh, even more so than foster care. You know, I, I'm not sure how my parents were guided or what mm. type of. I don't even think they had training. <laughs> I mean, if they did, I didn't know about it. You know, but somehow, okay, they knew when to tell me I was adopted. They knew 
how to make sure I was connected to biological family and 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 what to take me to and maybe what not to take me to and how to you know how to talk to my friends who might ask questions well you don't look like you know your your mama and daddy and things of that nature and so it I did not have anyone to really talk to at mm. that point other than them oh, and then certain yeah. things I would not talk to them about. So I know it was God that just kind of intervened and, and, and just really took me through those situations. But, you know, now with, with all of the counselors and, and, and whether it be in school or private practice and just mentors and things, you know, I think it's important for <laughs> adopted parents to make sure that their children have someone to talk to about those yeah. things that they will inevitably yeah. think about and experience. Yeah. Let me, if I could add on to that, you're absolutely right. And the mistake that a lot of adopted parents mean, and sometimes is well-intentioned, they just think that, well, they don't need to rehash all of that, or we don't want to make them mm-hmm. upset, or we don't want to. It's going to happen. It's a natural, it's a, actually it's a, what I like to say, it's a basic human right to want to know where you come from. Sure. So you have to have the right people, and that's why, you know, sometimes sometimes as a community uh, we don't believe in counseling, but (laughs) there are things that you sometimes need counseling for, you need a mentor or somebody Mm -hmm. you can talk to, and even about how to talk to your child about the fact that they were adopted and the things that they're going to experience. And, again, what happens is if you don't have a place to let that out or to talk about it, it comes out in other ways. Many of mm-hmm. our kids are just, you know, angry. They're getting in the, they got behavioral problems or whatever. Sometimes it's truly it's in, the battle is in their mind. They're not able to reconcile what happened to them and why they came in, the, you know, why were they adopted and what happened to my parents. And, and then their parents, you know, my mom was old school, to be honest with you. My mom was like, we don't talk about that stuff. The child places to listen, not to be talking, you know. So <laughs> if she was going to talk with she would let me know. But she didn't want to talk about it. It was hard for her. And like you said, there was no training back then and not to the level that it is now. So, you know, she did the best she could. But to be honest with you, it was more about avoidance. It wasn't until I came to the decision. So you were very fortunate, Richmond, to really have, you know, parents that were able to talk with you about it all along the way and help you guide through it. For me, you know, my brother and I struggled with for years and years and years, and thank God we just stayed on a straight and narrow until we found, you know, could find those answers. But it's important to have counseling. It's important to have, especially nowadays, if you go to any public agency or private agency, they will give you a lot more support than they used to even 10 years ago. So the support is out there now to really help adoptive young people as well as people in foster care deal with the issues that they may be dealing with. That is good to know. That is good to know. Definitely. Richmond, um, I want you to talk about, you know, um, you know, purpose and, and seasons. Uh, we talk about foster care and adoption. We recognize not everything is for everybody, but that doesn't mean that it's not for anyone. You know, and you, you think about your te- your your testimony, Chauncey's testimony of you know coming into families that that showed them love. Uh, can you talk about? Can you speak maybe to that person who's thinking? You know. Uh, well, I didn't have children biologically, so it must not be meant to be. But what about they, they may feel a tug to say, well, there are children that are born and who are on this earth now who need them. You know, maybe they're wrestling with, you know, God didn't do it, you know, the way I thought, so maybe it's not meant to be. Maybe challenge that person who's, uh, that listener who's thinking about it and wrestling with it. You know, Michael, I would say you said it's something you just said. God didn't do it the way that I thought, so maybe mm. it's not meant to meant to be. But maybe God didn't do it for you in that manner so that you would be open and available and have the resources to be able to do it for someone who's not necessarily yours biologically. And so I think that even though um, that's not how some people um, you, you know, they look at their situations and think, okay, well, you know, maybe we're just not going to have children. Well, you know, God does everything for a reason, and, and everything mm-hmm. is 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 um, purposeful. And so, it, it might be a situation that even if you are in that situation and contemplating it today because you don't have your own biological children, think about how that puts you in a position to be able to. Because if you had children already, you may not be in the in the type of uh, headspace to even want to bring additional children into your home or an additional child into your home. But without that, you are open and available. And and I think that's the thing to think about is that, you know, there's a lot of things that we don't get that we want, and we realize that it was for 
our good when we don't get them. Um, and then we also realize sometimes down the road that it was because God was making space for something else. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so I just encourage people to um, think Think about it through a spiritual lens, and, and if you're contemplating it or if you're wondering why, uh, you know, um, your family hasn't developed as you thought it would, be open to the possibilities and look at how God might, try, might be trying to design it for you, and even through a foster care or um, an adoption situation. Mike, yeah, if I could Chauncey, just uh, you want to jump in on yeah. that? Yeah, let me just say a little bit about that because you're right on a, on a number of different things. But the other point I would bring out, and this is why it's so good to get more information before you make a decision, because you could actually start out and just be what they call a respite parent. So you might not feel like, okay, I can do foster care and adoption long term, but you could. it's almost like trying it out. And there's a lot of parents who are parents now that every now and then on the weekends might need a small break, and so they need a respite parent. To, so you could actually have their child in your home for just a weekend or or for just a couple of weeks or something like that, and then see if that's what God would have for you to do. Uh, it is such an important decision, though, and there are some people doing it who probably maybe shouldn't do it, but there's more people not doing it that could easily have an impact on, on the life of a child. So my suggestion is definitely, if you're thinking about it, you know, definitely be prayerful about it, but then call your local Department of Social Services, your local Department of Family Services, and try to go to an orientation. Make an informed decision before you just say, this is not for me, you know, because as you were saying, Richmond, God, you know, everything is done in decent in order, even if it's not what you think it should be. God has a way of doing things for yeah. us, even, and, and that's why he's God. So, you know, so we, we can't figure Absolutely. it all out all the time. Sometimes we just have to go on our faith and, this, this, and this, at the bare minimum find out more information before you make a decision. Absolutely. That's good. That's good. Hey, I want to get some final comments from you guys. Uh, Richmond, let's start with you, and then we'll have Chauncey follow up. Uh, just speak to families in general today. Um, any messages, inspiration you just want to, to give to families out there today? Uh, you know, my, my, my message to families would be to um, remain close, communicate, and love one another and 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 don't let the sun go down on on anger or or frustration or any kind of you know discord in your home uh, i think the 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 benefit of that is a peaceful home, uh, or the result of that, I should say, is a peaceful home. And then the benefit, uh, and I always speak from the perspective of, since I work with young people, is that those are the are the young people that 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 grow up um, and are able to achieve success and able to, you know, navigate through life successfully and 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 have self confidence and 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 know themselves and trust themselves because they've come from loving homes where it was peace there, it was communication, there was forgiveness, and when that goes on in the home. Home, it's easy for it to go beyond the home into the workplace, at school, in the community. And so I would just encourage families to remain close-knit, to pray together, and to, and to communicate, and to just you know, maintain uh, a peaceful and supportive home, especially for the young people that are growing up in your home. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on, Richmond. We do appreciate you, bro. And, Chauncey, we've got about two minutes left. Uh, so just wrap it up for us. Any yeah. final thoughts? Hey, so just my final thought would be in line with just what Richmond said. I mean, really, are, I would encourage families to stay encouraged and that as much as there are so many things out here that come to attack the family and to break up the family, there's more good things out here for families. So to stay encouraged, find out what you can do maybe to expand your family by finding more information out about foster care and adoption. Uh, and I would say that, you know, God's going to bring you through whatever the decision is he wants you to have. So he's not going to let you out there and leave you to flounder and that there is hope for our kids out here. And that might be that hope might be you. You might be the person that's supposed to help a young person in foster care. So be prayerful about it, find out more information about it, and stay encouraged. Awesome. Richmond and Chauncey, man, what an hour. I thank you both for being on. Yeah. And thank you, Michael, for, for, for bringing this topic uh, to the forefront. It does not get discussed often, and it needs to be, and I'm just happy to be a part of this discussion. I would say God thank you for you doing both. it, and it's happy to do it in a way, that, a Christian-based way. You don't always get a chance to talk about it that way, so I appreciate that, that opportunity. Hey, God bless you both, and uh, don't get weary and well-doing. We appreciate all that you're doing for, uh, for your families and our community. All right, our final closing thoughts. Well, to all of you who are stepping up and stepping in, 
to expand your home, to open up your heart, to give and receive love of those children, we thank you. Those of you who may be considering doing the same, I encourage you to consider, follow through, and do all you can to love God, love people, and live on purpose. God bless.